Hello, hello. And my favorite part of the week is coming early this week um, because we are uh, kicking off the recruiter screen uh, for this week. Uh, yeah, first for uh, today, right now. So here you are. Um, so I'm Sile. Um, pumped to be doing this uh, with with Tony here today. We're gonna keep it uh, uh, keep it 100 the way we always do, sharp to the point and uh, uh, meandering conversation. Tony, before we jump in, would you mind sort of introducing yourself for the for the folks at home? Yeah, good to be here. My name's Tony. I'm a recruiter. It's what I do for a living. I'm proud of what I do. Um, I come from a TA family. Uh, my wife, Marta Riggins, she also is in TA. She runs an employer brand consultancy. I always like to say she's the more important Riggins. She does all the fun stuff. Um, if I met you 15 years ago and you told me I'd be a recruiter, I literally wouldn't believe you. Um, I'm a former marketer who originally got his start in the music industry, made the transition to TA 10 years ago. When I was at Interscope Records working in marketing land, I was advocating for their first internship program. And the head of Universal Music Group HR was like, why are you not in TA? And I literally was like, I don't even know what that is. Explain it to me. I'm curious. <clears throat> I was originally like at that time, like putting out an email newsletter, helping people find jobs. And they were just like, you need to think about this in your career. And it's like, no, nah, I'm a marketer. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Um, and then in 2014, I made the transition from LA up to San Francisco. I started working at startups, became a hiring manager myself. And I got recruited by Pandora to be a recruiter to ultimately help build their music industry team as Spotify was coming into the market in the US. And that was it. After I worked on that project, I got into sales, marketing, a lot of non-tech hiring, and the rest is history. I nice. love this industry. Nice. And I guess there's like a, it feels like an increasing blend of sales, marketing, and recruiting, like for a modern recruiter to sort of like consider those factors. So I imagine it puts you in a sort of a, a pretty sweet spot for given that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not afraid to follow up with people four times. My whole goal in life is to get... Yeah. a yes or a no and then follow that up with who do you know let's keep a relationship yeah um but yeah i i, I think it's a an interesting industry in that i think if you are um a curious individual and you have some marketing sensibility you can do incredibly well yeah yeah nice even and in this market just so folks are aware do you want to sort of just share some recent background companies you've been working with or what you're up to yeah i mean i'm a casualty of the layoffs that have been happening here in in our industry you know late 2022 i was at snapchat um i always like to say they were kind of early to kick off all the layoffs that are happening i've a lot of love for them and a lot of friends that are still there um but since then it gave me the opportunity to build a coaching business so i career coach on top of i have a consultancy now that um i've worked with some pretty interesting clients i got the opportunity to work with um, lvmh and Moet Hennessy, their business here in the US, um, working on some sales and marketing projects for a short time. And currently I'm working for a company by the name of Congo Brands, which is the um, owner of Prime, if anyone's interested and knows what Prime Hydration is. I have a 12 year old, so mm -hmm. I know what Prime is. Um, <clears throat> that is an interesting business where, you know, I've been working on the operations side. I just hired a CIO. Um, I've been helping um, on a lot of interesting projects within procurement and sourcing and you know as they continue to grow because they were a year ago with no ta no hr a couple hundred people in louisville kentucky and we just ended last year with a thousand Crazy. um a billion dollar business 
I could go on and on and on about them. It's fascinating. Um, but over the past year, year and a half, I've kind of, I've been, I've looked at opportunities that are outside of tech. I like looking at industries that are varied. Um, and CPG is a fascinating industry. Everyone's got to eat and drink. Yeah. So um, that's kind of where I've been for the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the robots don't have to eat and drink. So, you know, maybe that's, you know, <laughs> we'll see. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for your recruit screen? Let's do it, man. All right. So first of all, what makes you uh, want to throw your laptop out of the window? Anything about recruiting you find especially frustrating? Yeah. I mean, it's 2024, man. It's exhausting. I, 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 I throw out my laptop to all the unemployed recruiters, sourcers, coordinators, TA managers, leaders, all the folks that have been laid off, some that are sadly saying going to get laid off today or this week. Um, it's hard out there right now. I've known folks that have left the industry. Um, I think it's an interesting time to really look at efficiency, um, TA tools, all the AI stuff that we're talking about in this business. But right now, as we're seeing the slow off, and it's not a candidate's market, it's an employer's market. Mm. Um, I throw my laptop out in the street and run over it because I think there's really amazing talent out there that could be working and could be doing interesting things, whether it's fractional, doesn't have to be full-time. I mean, I found interesting ways to keep myself engaged, um, but boy, is this a market. And what I like to tell people is it's a market always, whether it's a candidate's market or an employer's mm -hmm. market. And we have to remember that. Um, but I think going into this year, people thought, you know, the layoffs would slow down and we're seeing it pick up again. And I hate to sound like a broken record, but um, I want to see these companies and um, people working on what the future is going to be of this industry. And yeah. I think there's just a lot of talent that's just in a tough place right now. Yeah. I mean, that is incredibly frustrating. Obviously, as I've been working in this industry, you know, initially coming into it as an outsider, but now working in it for a good number of years, obviously my network grows and more and more folks are asking me for like, are there any roles I know going? And obviously I, I try and help where I can, but sort of, yeah, the numbers are just, just getting larger. So totally, totally with you on that frustration. And uh, yeah, sometimes also like lack of ability to help, I guess as well can be, can be pretty frustrating, but it's more, yeah, more so, more so third party frustration. Um, yeah. What's um going back to sort of some of your time, whether it's with, 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 with Snap or Congo Brands or any of these companies, um, do you have like a, a trait in a hiring manager that you especially like look for and think, Hey, I'm going to be able to do my best work because this person, you know, operates in this way. Yeah. Um, I remember in, in 2019, so I went from music industry, entertainment. I worked for Justin TV, which was a competitor of Twitch. Yeah. And after um, Pandora, I went to Twitch, which is a, you know, subsidiary of Amazon, which is a fascinating company. Um, I've decided I'd rather be a consumer than an employee <laughs> of yeah. Amazon. Um, but I got the opportunity to go to my first CPG and that was Cliff Bar. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Cliff Bar um, was a privately owned employee company. 20% of the employees own them. Um, they recently got bought by Mondelez, which makes like Cheetos and Oreo. And it was, it was this interesting company where they really focused on candidate care. And when I got there, I was one of two recruiters at a company in size of like, you know, 2000 on the corporate side. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, 
it, it blew me away because, you know, up to that point, five, six years of been working in recruiting, you know, it's like, can't get feedback. We can't do this. And they were like, oh, you're going to get feedback to every single person you talk to, whether it's good, bad or ugly, we're going to be constructive. And um, the hiring managers I worked with there were just so focused on candidates, candidate care and being very um, reasonable about one's time, a candidate's time, letting me and us work together in a way where we could push people forward or let them loose, if not a match as quickly as possible. Um, but I was put to the test in that environment to give feedback to every single candidate that I worked with. And it was scary and also exciting. Um, so that is one that going into the past you know, five years that I've been working now, um, I really love it when I work with hiring managers that really value candidate care. And these days I would say recruiter care. Very interesting. And where would you, at Cliff, where would you say that culture came from? Was that, you know, that was like a executive top-down thing or something more in the, just the, the broad culture? It was. And I've worked for some interesting cultures like Snap, where Snap touts this kind culture, which is amazing. Um, I think what it comes down to is dollars and cents. Like, you know, that was a company where they're literally 20% goes to the employees. We're never going to go public. Here's your, your, um, your internal equity. Um, it was a four day work week, very flexible company. Um, it was my first time working for a 980. Do you know what that is? 980 model. It's an old Boeing um, thing that started in the 60s, which is your employees can work nine days and they take the 10th day off. Mm -hmm. So half of your employee base is gone and it worked very efficiently. Um, but I think it's due to them having those values yep. from the early start and just yeah. being very, very flexible throughout. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, flipping it. Like least favorite, is there something that sort of really uh, it makes you sort of less pumped to to get get the work done for for if you're working with a hiring manager? Yeah, um, not being flexible. Yeah, I mean, On like uh, their requirements or how they work or both, you know, equally. How they work. I mean, every recruiter is going to say, you know, a partnership is the yeah. best way to work. But we've all, as recruiters, been in situations where you are a paper pusher. Um, I've been in situations over you know, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, where regardless of what the data is, the hiring manager's like, I don't care. I want this person in this role, in this seat, on site, you know, and <clears throat> and I've been in situations where we've been able to work with, you know, our head of finance or um, our, our, um, our comp and benefits person to tell a story about how we can take this sect of candidates, whether it's a focus on DEI or location or or compensation, for instance, um, where I'm a big proponent for um, total compensation, not just base yeah. equity benefits, but the whole thing. Um, so a hiring manager that really looks at market intelligence, values that and has a level of curiosity yeah. where we can dig in and, you know, maybe they're not saying yes or no from the beginning, but they're saying, tell me more. Like, let's, let's dig into this data so we can actually hire um, folks in what the market currently is. Yeah. Any good sort of tips you've worked on to, for dealing with hiring managers when they're not being that flexible, they're sort of quite dogmatic and set in their way? Yeah, I love a cold heart. I love trying to figure out what it's going to take to build a relationship. My whole career has been built on trying to build relationships. And I think, honestly, these days, 
um, having a recruiter that can build rapport is really important, um, specifically, specifically in this market. Um, but I think a lot of it is, is time. However much as little as you have, I'm usually going into relationships with new hiring managers going, this is me, not going, this is how I work. How do you like to work? How can we meet in the middle? Can we have weekly conversations? Oh, they don't need to be 30 minutes. Maybe they're 15 minutes, you know. Oh, let's take this offline and let's go have a walk together. I try to do what I do and have fun with it. And it is, in my opinion, recruiting is, <laughs> I'm probably going to get a lot of abuse for this, but I think it's the most fun job out there. It's it's so important. It's part of someone's most important decision that they'll make and the hiring manager too. So I have a lot of empathy, but from the get-go, I'm usually like giving a lot of information on who I am as a person, trying to humanize yeah, nice. the person behind the recruiter. And if that takes, you know, I've had hiring managers where it's been very cut and dry. I've worked in executive search where it's been a certain way. And I've worked with folks where it's taken a good three, six months, nine months. But at the end of the day, I think we need to humanize what we do and build rapport to yeah. get to all of these nuggets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does. It is obviously, it's sort of like a, it's like a multiplier for all your future efforts, right? If there's that trust built up or that rapport, then actually the things you try and change or implement or try out in future, just have that like that percentage better chance of of, of working out, right? Because it's because the hate yeah. is So yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll just add a little bit to that too. I have um a bit of a, a document that I will send to folks. Sometimes I'll send it in the interview process where it's like, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. These are my office hours. I've learned going in hot the past five years and going, I don't answer any emails or texts between this time and this time because I'm having dinner with my family or I'm picking up my child or telling people I've, I, I, I go to a lot of concerts and a lot of music. And by being super upfront with people and telling people and then also going, tell me something about you. Um, this personal operating manual I've worked with has just blown people's minds. And I'll share it with teams and I'll also encourage it on the teams that I'm on. Um, I've found working from home in this virtual environment, it's really tough to network even internally at times, um, but that really has helped me. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of that as well. I think, I sometimes think we should really invest in that internally in our team as well. We just haven't, yeah, we haven't made the investment. Maybe we should. Um, obviously, I've just spent a decent amount of time also talking to uh, investors and uh, there's a couple that have started to do to, to do it. Um, and also some sort of senior leaders at some of the companies we're selling to and they might might, might sort of send it to me and just, you know, because we're sort of partnering on on making this right, making it work. And um, most of them are great. And, and even the, in fact, all of them are great, but there is one, one sort of trend that I noticed where I'm not actually against it, but I think people also often use it as a way to say, basically I communicate very directly. So like, I'm going to tell you that upfront don't take it personally. And so it's going to be interesting if that becomes like the natural sort of end state for every, like most of our communication is everyone's just going to say, hey, should we should all agree to like cut the BS and just say exactly what we mean all the time, um, yeah. which may, you know, may, be, may be a good thing for efficiency. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And I'll send you my personal operating manual if you yeah. want to see it. I, I want to share this with everyone because I feel like we need to figure out ways to continue to humanize and also yeah. figure out ways to like meet in person. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> More of that. I think once you meet in person with people, that really brings yeah, yeah. people together. Yeah, I don't want to obviously monopolize it, but I, I find that a lot. I've worked with engineering, like product and engineering teams, all parts of the world, and jumping on a plane and spending time with folks for like a concerted period, 
again, gives you so much more efficiency, even if you're not going to be co-located all the time for like the mm. subsequent months. Um, please do uh, put that in the comments of the, the LinkedIn uh, live and people will pick it up. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Yep. Um, any sort of uh, like funny or, or not so funny horror stories to share from your time as a recruiter? Um, I don't want the recruiting police to knock on my door, so maybe I'll let me um They're not as that wouldn't be as bad as the real police, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know, not in this market. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I um I once had I remember I I was I can't say where. I was at a place where someone showed up to their on site and I met them and I was just walking them to their panel and I was like, can I get you a drink? Can I take you to the restroom? Can I, you know, here's my number in case anything happens. And I was just giving them this, I was like, something's like their hair, glasses. And they were very nervous. And I just, I think, I, I don't want to toot my horn to, but I think I've got high EQ. I think I'm just one of those people I can catch things. And I kind of jumped into it with them. And I was like, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Like, and they were like very visibly nervous. So we went into the first on-site and I asked the hiring manager to come out. I said, hey, just don't send me any feedback. I don't want to be biased, but I just want to know how it's going. And so I got in a note very quickly after the first panel. And they're like, this person was literally looking down at their notes and everything was incredibly scripted. And they were hitting all the questions and answers. So I asked the next person and walked in and I'm like, hey, let's take a break right afterwards. <clears throat> and so I pulled them out and we went into a room and I was like, now, like there's something wrong and so i worked with my sourcing partner i went over to their desk and they're like i don't think this is the same person really? so i went yeah and the, i've heard of this before yeah but in now person, but in, I've heard of it in, in person, person. in person blew my mind so imagine this a lot of recruiters i'm curious what they would do i flat out asked them are you this person can i see your id yeah nice <laughs> And they were like, no, I'm not. I work for this company that preps specifically tech-focused individuals where they were like flat out like, no, I'm not. Here you go. Um, you had a conversation with this person and then we plant, go in, get the job and another person shows up. So this was the person who would have turned up for the on the first day of the job or this is not the person that would have showed up? No, they messed up. Okay. They actually scheduled the wrong person for that conversation should have been the original person we spoke to. And then yeah. another person would have showed up for the actual job if they got yeah. it. Yeah. And that is like the craziest thing I've ever seen. Oh and I've heard of folks going through the process, getting the job, finding out later. I think during the pandemic, we had some situations at some companies where they found out people had like two, three jobs. Um, yeah, it was like the wildest thing where I was incredibly nervous. I was like, do I need to go to legal? Like, what do I need to do? Um, but I was blown away that the person was very upfront with who they are and what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Oh, man, I'm, I'm we were like, so the opportunity is no longer there for you. Like, <laughs> you don't have a rejection template for that reason, right? You <laughs> no. You should uh, send me their details. I'll get them on the next one of these and we can sort of- Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that would be amazing. Yeah. I don't know. They looked at it as a as a job. And yeah. I, I feel like it's, it is kicking up. I mean, I've seen certain things on LinkedIn. I've, I've been getting a lot of requests lately and a lot of messages from folks where I've been reporting it to LinkedIn where I'm like, there's a scam. And they're like, no, I'm like, this profile is someone else's profile. I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see 
the technology around that and yeah. safeguards. Um, yeah, nice. Well, with technology in mind, um, I'm going to skip one of the questions just because I'm conscious of time. But what sort of when you think about the future of TA, what are you most sort of excited about? Uh, you know, what that's on the horizon? I mean, all the techno technological advancements we're seeing right now. I mean, yeah. how many recruiters I know that don't even use Calendly? I'm like, come on. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't want those to be a MetaView commercial, but come on, guys. Like, thank you. It has made my life so much easier. I look at what's going on in techn technological advancements in our industry as, I hate to date myself, but kind of what happened in the 90s when everyone started to get online. Yeah. You know, it's all just happening. And there's so many recruiters I talk to where I'm like, you know, what's in your, what's in your set? Like, what are you working with? And they're like, I'm still writing down notes or I'm still scheduling this way. And so the efficiencies in our industry, um, that's what gets me excited. I'm curious about what's next. I kind of mess around with all the sourcing tools out there. And um, I've been using a couple tools just for reference checks, which are I find really engaging, just so awesome to cut through all the bias. Nice. Um, Use like survey, survey reference checks or? Okay. Yeah, somewhere it kind of introduces like a bit of like a phone call if you want, but some questions yeah. and polling to kind of cut through it. Um, yeah. But that's what gets me excited. I mean, honestly, like just Calendly, yeah. I don't send like three paragraph notes to people anymore. I literally just send them a link and go, hey, just want to check in on you. And I have people like a 15 minute call where people are just yeah. click, 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 of course. So yeah. for me, it's like, if you're not curious, if you're not interested, if you're not digging in, you know, you're going to be in a really scary place, I think, in this industry yeah. in the next three, six months a year. I think part of that is is just because there's so much. Um, I guess like uh, it's a it's definitely a form of diversity within recruiting. I say it's like similar within to sales as well, where like you do have people of all different levels of um, whatever technical literacy or sort of how early adopters sure. they are and these sort of things. Because I definitely think that there's a lot when I look around and hopefully including Metaview in this. I think there's a lot that is quite bleeding edge. Um, I think one of the reasons certain AI tools are doing really well from an adoption perspective is because AI is quite special in that it's very, you can build it in such a way that it's very capable of wrapping itself around your very human workflow. So whereas yeah. before you almost had to learn to use tools and maybe therefore you had natural sort of like um, uh, uh, sort of a drop off of people adopting it. Actually with, if you, if you, if you build your AI products correctly, you can really remove the expectation that you have to learn anything. Really, the AI learns you. And so I think, I wonder if this will be a sort of a, a sort of a, a watershed moment where actually it sort of does get that critical mass of the majority of people starting to adopt the tools because, you know, for, for that very reason. But let's face it, TA has been in the dark ages for so long. I mean, and, and it's, it's fascinating to me. Like I've worked with a lot of people that aren't even curious. Mm. You know, and here's the thing, to be fair, most folks in TA are not encouraged to go out there and do education, learning, networking. Like you have to really push. There aren't usually budgets. There certainly aren't budgets for that now. Yeah. But I've worked with a lot of people over the past 10 years where I'm like, don't you just want to be, I hate using the word, but it's true. Like, just be curious. Like yeah. truly, like don't say yes or no. I try to not have any opinion on anything I think that's the joy in what's going on in our industry right now is you have the ability to just see what's out there. But I think there is a different generation coming up. And like many people in our field, you kind of get thrown into TA. 
<clears throat> so there's a, there's a really great opportunity right now. Yeah. Um, and I think our jobs will change. I don't think AI is going to take our jobs. I think we're in this moment, kind of like what it was like in the nineties where everything is evolving at a really fast rate. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. For sure. You talked about curiosity there. It's one of the most common traits we hear from folks saying, Hey, what to look for in a great recruiter. What are the three top qualities you sort of think make up a, a great recruiter? I mean, sorry, being curious. Yeah. That's it. Like leaning in and just going, tell me more, you know, even if people are like this, um, having a high EQ. I think this industry, so many people can be in this industry, but you have to have high EQ. Yeah. Um, you know, my first manager, Mike McDonald, shout out. Uh, he, uh, he told me, you know, it's all about building trust and respect very quickly with candidates. And I think um, for me and a lot of folks I love working with, that's delivering bad news, good news, just being honest, you know, and, and doing that with your hiring managers and all your cross-functional partners, you know, but those three qualities, I think, um, and putting in like building rapport, yeah, that's what makes a great recruiter in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are super, almost like self-evident and practical, uh, uh totally agree. Um, they are, but it's also one of those things like, I don't, I, I don't know if it exists, like, like building rapport, I would argue, like, I think it needs to be taught to specific generations. Like, I don't think a lot of people know how to build rapport. And I don't look down on that. I just go like, we need to teach people how to build rapport because human connection is so important specifically right now. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right, Tony. Well, thanks so much for, for jumping on this, uh, on this recruiter screen with us. Um, what's the best way for people to, to sort of stay in touch or, or, or check you out? Man, hit me on LinkedIn. You'll see book an appointment at the top, click all my links, Calendly, but shoot me a note. I get back to every single person that reaches out to me. Everyone laughs at me that I've worked with in the past. I, LinkedIn, that's my fan mail. Takes me back to the music industry day. So shoot me a note. I add every single person. I believe in Lion. Um, so hit me there. Nice, nice. Awesome, Tony. Thanks again. We really appreciate it. And folks, thanks for listening in. Um, if you want to check out the next recruiter screen, best bet is probably to head over to MetaViews page uh, and click follow there because then you'll get updates and see some clips pulled out of this and other screens that we've done, plus a bunch of other uh, uh, stuff that we post about. Um, but until then, let's hire on. Thanks, folks.